Hello, and welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. I am thrilled to have you listening for another week. This is one of my favorite places, <laughs> one of my favorite places to create content. I share a lot about my own health journey and everything that I'm going through very openly and honestly. And I talk about biohacking and all sorts of things, wellness, nutrition, everything like that. This week, I'm answering a bunch of questions that I have received recently in my DMs. It's kind of like along the lines of everything I've been talking about, I would say in the last couple months, but this is just in a very succinct format and it's very like Q&A based and we're not going into one topic at length specifically. It's just kind of some of the questions that you've asked me and it's easier for me to give you better content and more information and more examples and value through my podcast than it is through me trying to answer on Instagram, even if I do send you a voice note or two. So thank you for the questions. Obviously keep them coming. Typically I just like screenshot them and put them on here at one point. Sometimes, yeah, that's kind of like the way that it goes, to be honest. But before we get started with all of that, I want to do a quick shout out to the sponsors of this week because they are so important and they let this show happen. So Inside Tracker, I am obsessed with Inside Tracker. They have added some female biomarkers to their test. So this is an at-home blood test. And I think now they do about like 44 different biomarkers, which means like 44 different things that they test for. So that includes minerals, vitamins, hormone levels, and they've just added a few that are female-based. And I love to see this. I love to see companies really including women more intentionally and like making products that are for us in a very clear way. I, I really, really do appreciate this. And so I'm excited to get those results back. Mind you, when I got tested, I wasn't feeling that great, but we'll see what it says. So if you are interested in Inside Tracker, I really do suggest it. They come to your house in Canada, same service they offer in the States. So they're the best. You can go to them. They're linked to my show notes and on my website. And I have a discount code, which is Brittany. And I think it's actually 20% off, which is actually pretty decent. And yeah, so that is about it. And let's dive right in without further ado. Okay. The first question, I'm not going to name names on any of these questions because some of them are a little personal. So this person writes, I often struggle with maintaining focus and productivity at work. How can I leverage biohacking techniques to improve my cognitive performance? This is such a good question. And honestly, this is one of the biggest biohacking topics out there. Everybody talks about this. All of the bigwigs in this biohacking space talk about cognitive performance. And so there is a ton of data out there. If you are looking for other biohackers who kind of specialize more in this, like I do, and like naturally as a biohacker, I do, but there are people who have like books and stuff out there about it. I would check out like Ben Greenfield. Dave Asprey obviously has books on it. And I think there are some others as well, but those are two really great guys to start with. However, they are not women. <laughs> the women in the biohacking space are lacking. So yeah, I understand if you're listening and you're female because who else are you going to listen to? There's not a lot of us out there. So thank you for listening. Anyway, 
back to the answer for this question. So I have written out answers for all of these. To enhance cognitive performance, biohacking techniques can be highly beneficial. Here are some strategies you can try. Firstly, implementing a morning routine. Start your day with habits that prime your brain for optimal performance, such as meditation, light exercise, or consuming a nutrient-dense breakfast. I have a morning routine. I I try to wake up. I'll just like list it off really fast. I try to wake up between like 5 and 5.30 a.m. And I get up, I tongue scrape. I will put, I'll kind of do my facial routine. I make a cup of coffee and I have water. And then I go outside for a walk with my dog. I listen to a podcast episode that's already downloaded and I have all my apps turned off. So there's no messages coming through. There's no notifications. And then I walk for an hour and it's honestly probably the best part of my day because the stimulation is so low. There's no one in the trails. There's no one on my phone. There's nothing. It's just me and like some sort of information. And I also only listen with one earbud in because I really like listening to nature and I have it at low volume and I have wired headphones because I don't want EMF or from the Bluetooth. And then I come back and then I'll have, you know, another cup of coffee, you know, usually with some sort of nut milk at this point and water. And then I start working early. Like I start working at seven. So I, I try to have these, this like two hour window between five and seven. That's just for myself. And that is what feels best for me. However, my life and my work is so different from everybody. Everybody's is so different and personal, right? So you really need to figure out what works for you. If you have to commute, if you have to get on the train, if you have to drive somewhere, drop your kids off, whatever you're doing, like you're not going to be able to get up at five and have two hours to yourself. Likely not. So figure out what works for you and implement it. And it helps with the cognitive performance because there's something to be said about having a morning routine that is said and done, and you don't have to think about it anymore. And you don't have to make decisions anymore because we get decision fatigue so much, like so, so much. Right. But if you have this morning routine that you stick to even like five, six days out of the week, then you don't have any decisions to make in the morning. You're like, I get up and this is what I do. I don't have to think I just do. And that is like the nicest part. A great book for this. And I will put this in the show notes is a book called 5am club. It's all about starting your day off on the right foot. It doesn't have to be 5 a.m., but like 5 a.m. is really nice, (laughs) especially in the summer when it's so light outside. I am obsessed with 5 a.m. So implement a morning routine is the first one. Secondly, optimizing sleep. Prioritize quality sleep by establishing a consistent sleep schedule, creating a sleep-friendly environment, and practicing relaxation techniques before bed. Consider using sleep tracking devices to monitor sleep patterns and make necessary adjustments. This one as well kind of goes with what I was saying about having a routine and taking away decision fatigue. I also think there's something to be said about like the compounding effects of correctly sleeping and having a sleep schedule day in and day out and balancing your hormones through doing that. So if you go to bed at 9, 9.30 every single night or whatever time it is, you are telling your brain that you are shutting off and then you're getting up at the same time every day. And that's when you wake up. And that really, really helps to regulate your circadian rhythm. And then when your circadian rhythm is like nice and stable and regular like that, 
you're going to feel better cognitively and you're going to be able to show up better and perform better at work or at school, whatever you're doing. So I, I do think that is understated. And there's so much to be said about sleep. Like you need, well, in my opinion, <laughs> blackout curtains, ear earbuds. And I actually just got new ones from a company called Loop. This is my first time using them and they are fantastic. They actually are like they're flat on the ends against your like ear canal. And so they don't stick out. So if you lie on your side, like they don't actually stick out and like hurt your ears on the pillow, which is really nice. I will link them in my show notes. I have a discount code with them. Loop, like I think it's Loop X Bio B. So L-O-O-P-X-B-I-O-B. Definitely check that out if you need to reduce the volume and have a bit of a quieter space where you can sleep. And then you want the temperature to be nice and cold. So I have an AC unit in my bedroom now because it's summer and I sleep under the comforters, but the air around me is really cold and I really, really respond well to that. And I also use an aura ring. Aura is fantastic. You know, like they, they're probably the best sleep tracker on the market. I would, I don't know who would be better than aura at this point. And I would, I, if you're having sleep problems, I would highly suggest getting an aura ring. I do think it's worth the investment. If you are a good sleeper, maybe not, to be honest. But if you aren't sleeping well, definitely. It was a game changer for me when I got mine in 2019, like an absolute game changer. It's very, very scary when you see the data <laughs> on your sleeping and how it impacts you and also how alcohol impacts you or when you don't sleep well, what your HRV looks like and what your heart rate looks like. There's so much to be said about all of that. And it's really helpful to be able to see the data and such a biohacker thing is make informed decisions based off of data that you get from your wearables. I also want to talk about nutrition for brain health. So brain including brain boosting foods is really important like fatty fish because it's rich in omega-3 fatty acids, blueberries because they're high in antioxidants and dark chocolate, which contains flavonoids. Additionally, you can even look at nootropics like caffeine, L-theanine and adaptogenic herbs for cognitive enhancement. If you haven't already, you can go to my website. I have a free recipe on there. It's called hormone balancing chocolate and it actually includes adaptogenic herbs in it. And it's kind of for this reason, like partly to balance hormones for sure, but also it will help with cognitive performance because of those adaptogens. And it the dark chocolate does have flavonoids in it. So it's one of those things that it's a functional food and it's got a bunch of different things that can help you out. So definitely go download that. It's free. It just gets emailed to you. And I just eat a piece a day. So you make it, you keep it in your freezer. You have to have like some sort of like mold. There's like all different types of chocolate molds on Amazon. Fill the molds, have a little square, a little bunny, a little shell, whatever mold you buy and just have a piece a day, I think is a great way to get in some herbs and adaptogens. And then we want to look at exercise and movement. So engage in regular physical activity as it promotes blood flow to the brain enhances cognitive function and reduces stress. Incorporate activities like high intensity interval training, which is HIIT, aerobic exercises, or mindful movement practices like yoga. I would say that it depends 
on your preference on what you like, I think is really important for exercise, but also like where you are in your cycle. We don't want somebody who is menstruating, obviously to be doing hit every single day. I don't think that is a great idea. I also think that chronic cardio is problematic as well for our hormones and for our stress. So I think we really want to have some sort of balance with this. My current routine is I'm very active right now, but it's very gentle. So every single day I'm walking for minimum 45 minutes, an hour outside. And then on top of that, I do a 45 minute workout and I'm currently doing Pilates on the sweat app. And that is going very, very well. If I don't do Pilates, I will do a second walk or I will go do, I'll go steam at my local rec center. That's kind of the three that I am going through right now. I'm taking a break from HIT. I'm taking a break from spin class. I'll probably go back. Usually I do spin classes once a week only. I'm actually, I paused my Peloton membership. I'm going to pause my gym membership for the summer. And I just think that I really want to be outside more. And there's something really relaxing and something that feels really good about Pilates right now for me. So that's kind of where I'm at. I also hike as well. So I'm active, but I'm not overstressing my body. And this is actually part of my like preconception plan is I think that I've been in a place before where I've been too aggressive with my workouts. And I don't think it was in line with balancing my hormones or fertility and like preconception. So I don't want to be back at that place. So I I think this is a good balance. And honestly, like walking the dog for an hour, like, yeah, it is a workout, but it's not really a workout. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not really a workout. It's, I'm not like super stressed from it. I'm not panting. It's not like very, very difficult. And so that's why I continue. That's why I continue to do it every single morning. And speaking of stress, the last one for this is stress management. So chronic stress can impair cognitive performance. Explore stress reduction techniques like mindfulness, meditation, deep breathing exercises, journaling, or engaging in hobbies that help you relax and recharge. I know this one is kind of like easier said than done. And sometimes when we're not in tune with ourselves, we actually don't know how stressed we are. And that can be problematic. So we really want to be able to tune in with ourselves and assess our stress levels. So I think journaling is great for that. Meditation is great for that. Even therapy, I think, can be really helpful. I have a therapist I go about once every six weeks now. And I do a lot of deep breathing exercises when I do cold therapy or when I do even Pilates. There's a lot of breathing exercises in Pilates. So that's kind of what works for me. But this is kind of what I would say if you want to use biohacking techniques to improve your cognitive performance. Okay, second question. I have a demanding schedule and I'm frequently feeling stressed. What are some effective stress management strategies that can help me balance my hormones and optimize my well being? This is kind of like what I was just talking about, but I definitely want to go into this more. And I, I think there is a difference between how do I reduce my stress and how do I optimize my cognitive performance? I I think there is a difference there. And I do want to talk about a couple different things. So balancing hormones and managing stress obviously go hand in hand. 
here are some stress management strategies that kind of focus on hormonal balance. So the first one, mindfulness practices, incorporate mindfulness meditation, deep breathing exercises, or progressive muscle relaxation techniques into your daily routine. These practices help regulate stress hormones, promote relaxation, and improve overall well-being. I think this is really important. Like I was saying just briefly, I think we really want to be breathing better. And actually, something that I was thinking about the other day, I don't know who made me aware of this a couple of years ago, but I think a lot of women, I bet you there's like some Ayurvedic and Chinese medicine relation to this as well. But I think a lot of women keep their core really sucked in and really tight because I think when we're younger, we're told to, first of all, that it matters how big you are and that you should be thinner and thinner is better. That is like the messaging everywhere in society and everywhere that we see. And so we almost kind of internalize that and like suck in and hold in our stomachs, however big they are. And the other thing with that is like, I think women are made to feel like they shouldn't take up a lot of space in society in general, aside from like being smaller weight-wise. I think women are told that from a young age that like men come first and women come second, and we are not supposed to take up a lot of space. And so we kind of like shrink in. And I don't know if you've ever seen somebody with like posture like that, where their shoulders are rounded. They are, their hands come in, their elbows come in, their stomach comes in. And this actually ties into breathing because when you suck in your stomach all day, every day, and you get so used to that habit, it is impossible to breathe into your belly when you're doing that. And then you become a shallow breather. And that's actually what happened to me is like, I don't feel like even talking right now, I don't feel like I breathe into my stomach, you know, like let my stomach go fully, just like, you know, like fully breathe in and out of my stomach and just let the abs and all of the muscles in there relax. It's very rare that I do that. And I, I have to be so conscious of letting my stomach go, letting, letting my abs relax in order to do that. And So my breathing is actually something that I'm working on and it's not great. Like I am a shallow breather and and it's something that I would like to do better. And I think that this is something that is related to stress management because I think if you are breathing deeply, like you're fully breathing into your abdomen, I don't know if you could actually be as stressed at that same time. So if we're breathing in and out and we're doing these like long breaths and you know, long breath in, long breath out, fully letting go of any type of tension in our core, I think we will naturally feel relaxed and less stressed. So that would be my suggestion. Breath-wise, I would try and just kind of just be aware of it. Like even right now, when you're listening to this podcast episode, are you fully breathing? Is your stomach clenched? I don't know. It might be. And if it is like, can you just relax it right now and like feel how different that feels? Like it's okay if it pushes out your clothes or suddenly your shirt's tighter or whatever the case is, it's okay to take up more room. You know what I mean? Like figuratively, it's okay to take up more room. 
So I would work on that. If you have some stress management issues going on, I would look at breathing, especially if you're a shallow breather like myself. Adaptogenic herbs. So consider incorporating adaptogenic herbs like herbs like ashwagandha, rhodiola, or holy basil into your routine. These herbs have been traditionally used to support the body's response to stress and help restore hormonal balance. Again, this it, these are in the chocolate that I have on my website that's free for you to download. These are fantastic. I think what I have, the research that I have done when it comes to adaptogens is that you really do need to be taking them day in and day out for a few months in order for them to be effective, which is why like I like it in a chocolate form because it's so easy every day to take a little piece of chocolate that has a bunch of herbs in it. I also think that, I think, I just think that's really important. And it's also important to switch up the types that you're using and to take a break. So adaptogenic herbs are not something that you go on for the rest of your life. You order the same supplement and it's on subscription order. That is not how they work and that's not how they're recommended. And every single doctor I've talked to, every functional medicine doctor, every naturopath says the same thing of switch up the brands, switch up the types and take a break when needed because your body responds better to them when you do that. Physical activity, this is really important to lower cortisol. So engage in regular exercises. It stimulates the release of endorphins, which are the feel-good hormones, and reduces stress hormones like cortisol. Find activities you enjoy, such as jogging, dancing, or yoga, and aim for at least 30 minutes of exercise most days of the week. I mean, even that recommendation, like 30 minutes of exercise most days of the week, I think is low. Like, honestly, that might be the bare minimum. I would... I think if you're stressed, I would try for 45 minutes a day, an hour a day. And I, again, like I don't think it has to be you training for a marathon. I don't, I don't even recommend that because I think that just causes more stress in the body. But I think if you are dancing or if you go to yoga or a bar class, like whatever you like, if stress management is the goal, the physical activity should be something that brings you joy. Let's oppose the stress. What makes you happy? Is it dancing? Do you want to go to like a pole dancing class and like spin around the pole and work on your abs for an hour? Great. Go do that. I have done a pole dancing class just so you know, (laughs) and it was really hard. (laughs) It was so difficult. It was so difficult. Mind you, I don't have any type of dance background. So yeah, that part was hard, but even the strength to lift your body up on the pole holy, you, yeah, you got to have some sort of core to do that stuff. So if that's your thing, good for you. And social support, a big one, a big one, so big that I actually have this, where is it? It's listed on my, there's a sticky note on my desktop. And one of my things that I wrote, this is for ovary health, but one of the things I wrote is friends weekly. It's like, I think on your weekly to-do list checklist, I think there should be something that says, see your friends. And if you are younger, like let's say early 20s or younger, I think it sounds ridiculous to hear this, you know? But when you get older, it actually becomes harder and harder to see your friends 
everyone becomes busy and everybody's priorities change and it becomes harder to make friends actually. So that that's why I am such a stickler with this now is, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to say this. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you. I actually use an app. It's a web app. So there's no app on your phone and it's called call your friends. It actually might just be callyourfriends.com. I guess I can check. And it's called callyourfriends.com. And I will link it in the show notes. It's, this sounds ridiculous. Okay. But you put in all of your friends in there and it texts you to remind you to reach out to your friends at whatever frequency you set it at. And if you hear this and you think, oh, that's so sad. Like, why do you need to be reminded to text Amanda every two weeks? You don't understand when you are an entrepreneur, when you're running a business, when you are working in corporate life, when you are a new mom, you have so many things on the go all of the time that keeping up with friends is easily something you forget about and you drop the plate and you feel like you don't make time for and it doesn't even cross your mind as much anymore. And then two months go by and you're like, oh, wait, I wonder how Amanda's doing. Oh yeah, she was going through this thing the last time I spoke to her. Oh shit, I haven't actually contacted her. I wonder if she's okay. I, when you drop the ball like that, which I have done, it feels really crappy. And so I made it a point in my life after my wedding to fix that. And that's, and this is what works for me. So I have all of my friends in there. This service texts you and says, Hey, have you connected with Amanda today? You reply like Y for yes or N for no. And then if you say no, it will remind you a week later, a few days later, whatever you set the frequency to, and it will check in to make sure you're checking in with those people. And some people, it'll be like, I'm going to give you a call. Some people I talk to over Snapchat, to be honest. Some people I see in person and we go for a walk. Like every relationship is different depending on where we live and stuff like that. But the point is, is this service takes it off my plate because now all of my friends are in there. All of my, you know, in-laws, whoever, wives, blah, blah, blah are in there. And I just get reminded and I don't have to think about it. Okay. I don't have to think, oh, I haven't heard from Amanda because I know that this service like if I can look, I can just see, yeah, I talked to her last week or they're going to let me know in two weeks. And so it's really helpful. And I think if you were going through a stressful period, I would really, really reach out to your social circle and get some support, whether it's family, whether it's friends. I personally think that like friends are, you know, your chosen family and and. Personally, I just think they make a big difference. I my brothers are my best friends, so like aside from that, but I love this service and I really really recommend it. And the other thing for stress is sleep hygiene. I kind of talked about this already, so I don't want to go back into it again, but a couple other things is like get rid of screen time before bed, use blue blocking glasses, okay? Use blue blocking glasses. I use the ones from Filter Optics. They are the best on the market. They block 100% of, I think it's 550 NM wavelengths. So they they block 100% of the blue light. 
they are really quality design. And that's why I like them as well, because I've had other blue blockers from other brands that I will not name, but they are very cheap and it's like flimsy plastic. And I, it just feels like I'm wearing dollar store glasses, to be honest. So these ones are great. I have a discount code biohacking Brittany. They have red ones, orange ones. They have ones for the day that you work. Like when you look at your computer, they're more yellow. So I recommend those as well. And they even have kids ones. So you better believe that I will be buying those for my kids one day because we all going to be wearing blue blocking glasses at night. And I don't care what nobody says because <laughs> I think it's important. And I was actually thinking that one day when I have a kid and I'm breastfeeding, I think it's going to be hilarious, to, hilarious, but also I'm going to be so tired to breastfeed at night because the only light in the bedroom will be red because we will have like red light bulbs. And then I'm going to wear blue blocking glasses that are red. So I'm going to be sitting in this chair in this red room in the middle of the night with these blue blocking glasses on breastfeeding. And that's, I just never pictured that's how that would go, but I think that is the best way to do it. So anyway, that is what I recommend in terms of stress management. Are you tired of feeling out of sync with your body's natural rhythm? Do you struggle with menstrual cycle-related issues like fatigue, mood swings, and bloating? If you're looking to optimize your health and well-being, look no further than the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide. This comprehensive guide is designed to help you better understand and work with your menstrual cycle so you can improve your energy levels, reduce PMS symptoms, and gain a deeper understanding of your body. With in-depth information on each phase of the menstrual cycle, you'll learn how to adjust your diet, exercise routine, and self-care practices to better align with your body's needs. One of the biggest benefits of the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide is its user-friendly format. The guide is easy to follow and provides clear instructions on how to optimize your health throughout each phase of your cycle. Plus, it's packed with valuable information and insights that you won't find anywhere else. So whether you're a seasoned biohacker or you're just starting out, the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide is the perfect tool to help you optimize your health and live in harmony with your body's natural rhythm. And with my expertise and guidance, you can trust that you're getting the best information and advice available. So why wait? Head over to biohackingbrittany.com to get your copy of the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide and start living your best life today. Okay, the next question. I like this one a lot. Are there any specific dietary recommendations or supplements that can support hormonal balance and enhance energy levels, my energy levels? Yes, of course. Of course, there's so much you can do for energy. I like that we've kind of gone from like cognitive performance to stress to energy. And when I was picking these questions, I really wanted to touch on different topics so that everyone listening could kind of relate in some different way. And I am always looking to enhance my energy, but I don't want to enhance my energy to the point where I'm flying off the wall. I'm out of control. My heart rate's racing. Like that's not what we want. We want like energy, but we want to feel grounded. We want to feel good in ourselves. We want to feel awake and alert, but not high on caffeine type of feel. And that's kind of where these recommendations come in. So nutrition is fantastic for this. I think a lot of our energy can really, really come from nutrition. So first of all, let's 
balance your macronutrients. Macronutrients are proteins, fat, and carbohydrates. So ensure a balanced intake of proteins, healthy fats, and complex carbs, including lean meats, fish, nuts, seeds, avocado, olive oil, whole grains, and plenty of vegetables in your diet. I think regardless of the diet that you might choose, let's just try and make sure that we have healthy fat, protein, and carbs in there. I personally am more paleo than anything, and I probably will stick to trying to be more paleo for my entire life. That's what I've been doing since I was 16, and so I don't see myself changing anytime soon. If you are a vegetarian or a vegan, really, really make sure that you're getting enough protein in and enough healthy fat in because that's really going to energize you and give you stable energy for longer. So what happens when we eat just like straight carbs is that we get a spike in insulin, we get a spike in blood glucose, and we have this spike and sugar rush of energy. And you can feel that, right? Think about when you eat a piece of cake, like you're eating the grains, you're eating the sugar, and like you're just so excited. You're jumping off the walls. It's like when you give kids cake too, same thing. But the crash is so much more significant because there's such a high amount of carbohydrates and high amount of glucose in the system that the crash is much more significant afterwards. And then it kind of restabilizes. But if we add protein and if we add healthy fats in there, that curve like lessens. So yeah, you still definitely get a spike, but it's not as significant and it's over a longer period of time. So now the energy from that cake, maybe it's made with collagen protein and maybe the icing has coconut in it. I don't know, like coconut milk or coconut oil. The spike from that is actually going to last a couple hours now versus 30 minutes. And that's what we want to focus on when we are thinking about increasing our energy. Omega-3 fatty acids. So incorporate fatty fish like salmon, sardines, trout. These are rich in omega-3s. These healthy fats support hormonal health and brain function. This is so important. I would also add to this a supplement. I think everybody should basically be taking an a omega-3 supplement at this point. If you're not, I would look into it. If you're having energy issues, even if you're having cognitive issues like we previously talked about, omega-3 fatty acids. I know that for myself, I do not eat enough seafood to get enough omega-3s in every single week. I just don't. I eat seafood probably once or twice a week, maybe, and I don't think that's enough. I live in Canada. I think if I lived in Costa Rica, this would be a different story. I don't think I would necessarily supplement with omega-3 because when I was in Costa Rica, I had ceviche every single day, which is fermented fish, and I wouldn't really need the omega-3. However, now that I'm here, back in Canada, I would really suggest this. The one that I use is from Performance Lab. This is one of the best ones I've ever had. There's no fishy aftertaste. There's no fishy burps, like none of that. They, I love them. They really focus on creating biohacking products and they're some of the best out there. Something also to note about this is that the prenatal stack of vitamins that is recommended for women and for men, omega-3 is on that list. So if you are trying to conceive 
if you are before that and you're in your preconception stage right now where you're thinking about it and you're trying to get healthy and you're cleansing and you're detoxing, like a lot of us, omega-3s, please, please, please go get omega-3s. This, you need this. This has to be in your preconception stack. And same with men. It's great for, again, cognitive function, but also hormones. We want to support healthy sperm, creating healthy sperm and creating a healthy environment for the eggs for women. So omega-3s, performance lab, go check it out on my website. And then we want to get into fiber-rich foods. So I know this person asked a lot about nutrition. So we're talking a lot about nutrition here. Consume fiber-rich foods such as fruits, vegetables, legumes, and whole grains if you can tolerate them. Fiber helps regulate blood sugar levels, promotes healthy digestion, and supports hormonal balance. Again, like think about the sugar in the cake. Think about the cake. Think about making that cake with a flour that has higher fiber in it or adding just a great source of fiber to that. I'm sure there's a ton of recipes online that do this. The next is antioxidant-rich foods. Consume a variety of antioxidant-rich foods like berries, dark leafy greens, colorful vegetables, and spices like turmeric and ginger. Antioxidants protect against oxidative stress, which can disrupt hormonal balance. And then last but not least, consider limiting processed food and refined sugars. So highly processed food and excessive sugar consumption can contribute to hormonal imbalances. So opt for whole unprocessed foods whenever possible, even organic if you can, and moderate your intake of sugary treats and beverages. This one is hard for many, 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 many people. I think that the reality is that processed food and takeout food is significantly cheaper than healthy, homemade, organic food, and it's faster. And that's what's called fast food. And so it's, you know, going to McDonald's, getting burger and fries, like, great. Can take me, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to drive over there because why would I walk? And you, like, it's just so easy and it's more affordable. And so I get it. I, I understand this. However, I just think that it's so problematic long-term. It's on, not even long-term, like problematic short-term is problematic long-term. Again, if we're talking energy-wise, you are definitely going to get that sugar rush and that sugar crash. It's also got so many chemicals in it. There's so many, like so many chemicals in it from like what the burger is wrapped in, in the plastic little foil thing, from the oil that it's cooked in, from it being deep fried in oil, like the potato is put into hot burning oil that's filled with omega-6s, which are really, really tough on the body and like clog your arteries. And so dang, like I get it. You know, we have in North America, we have an issue when it comes to food accessibility, food affordability for a lot of people out there and a lot of families. And I'm not at all saying there's only one way to do this. And if you don't do this, there's something wrong with you. Like, that's not what I'm saying. It's just that it's so problematic. And this is a socioeconomic issue that is multifactorial and cannot be solved by one person overnight. However, for you and your personal 
food choices, I would really suggest making food at home as often as you can. It will always be healthier than what you buy in a fast food place and probably most restaurants. And there are some restaurants that you can go to that maybe use better oils and things aren't fried and contaminated. But most of the time, I would argue that home cooked food is substantially healthier than going out food. And ideally, if you can choose organic, again, I know it's expensive for some people. And so, yeah, I understand. My goal right now with this is I will tell you how I do it. We, my husband and I, we will buy one meal that's like takeout food per week. One. And it has to be in alignment with our dietary guidelines as much as possible. So we don't do like McDonald's or A&W or anything like that. We will do like sushi. We will do sometimes Greek. And that's kind of, to be honest, that's kind of it. And then sometimes there's like, there's a really nice, like healthy breakfast place close to us that have like really good smoothies and bowls. And we'll do something like that. So that's kind of like what we would do, but that's it. And we only try to, we only try to do it once a week because first of all, it's just so much more expensive. And especially for two adults, it's just so much more expensive than eating at home. And yeah, the health impacts are the biggest thing. But obviously you have to find what works for you and your family and where you are right now. But that's kind of it in terms of energy. There are definitely other things that we could talk about, but this was very nutrition focused because that's what the question was. All right. The next question, question number four, there's six questions. This is the fourth one. I'm planning to start a family soon. What steps can I take to optimize my hormonal health and increase my chances of conception? Great question. I ask this myself every single day. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot that I can say about this. First of all, if you haven't downloaded and got or ordered my cycle guide, my menstrual cycle guide on my website, seriously, go do that. I think you have to understand your menstrual cycle and how do you cycle sync and optimize it before looking at fertility and conception. Let's take it back to the basics. And that guide is 59 pages. It includes 32 recipes. And I think that's a fantastic starting point for you and jump jump off point for you. From that guide, you're going to understand when you're ovulating, what that means, what your cycle looks like, what to eat during every phase of your cycle, what supplements to take, how to exercise, lifestyle, biohacks, all of that for every single phase of your menstrual cycle. It also tells you, teaches you how to seed cycle. So what seeds you should have during the different phases of your cycle to support it. And then the 32 recipes are great. There's all types of recipes in there, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, two full meal plans are in there. So go grab that on my website. It's 27 bucks for 59 pages with the recipes. It's a recipe book. Go for it. And let me know what you think. So I would start there. After that, there's definitely things that we can do in terms of like optimizing hormones and increasing your chance of conception. So first of all, balanced nutrition 
Focus on a balanced diet rich in whole foods, including fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, healthy fats, and complex carbohydrates. Adequate intake of key nutrients like folate, iron, zinc, and omega-3 fatty acids acids is essential for reproductive health. Yes. Again, um, the omega-3 that I recommend is from a company called Performance Lab. And the nutrients like folate, iron, and zinc are really important. I personally don't take iron because I don't think I need it. However, I get my blood tested very often. So if I was anemic or like even on my way to be anemic, I would know. But I do think folate and zinc are important and I do supplement with these. So in the prenatal that I'm taking right now, it has folate and zinc in it. But prior to this prenatal that I'm on, I was taking those separately anyway. So the prenatal that I take is from a company called Needed. Uh, This is needed.com. Best prenatal supplement on the market by far. They're from the States. So many people know about them. They're the best. Definitely, definitely check them out and grab it. Right now, I'm only taking four prenatals a day. I think when we actually start trying to conceive, I'll probably take the full amount of eight a day, but I'm not at that point right now. I also have their egg quality supplement and their CoQ10 supplement because it's great for mitochondria in the eggs. Yes, I have a discount code biohackingbrittany, I think. It's on my website. All my codes are there, but definitely check it out and order through them. They do deliver to Canada. It just takes a bit longer. So if you want it right now, I would order right now because it might show up in two weeks, which is what happened with me. So keep that in mind. Uh, And then we want to support hormonal balance. Maintain stable blood sugar levels by consuming regular meals and snacks to avoid fluctuations. Incorporate foods rich in B vitamins, such as leafy greens, legumes, and whole foods, which play a role in hormone synthesis and regulation. So maintain stable blood sugar levels by consuming regular meals. What does that mean? That means that you eat every two, no, maybe two is a little too short, maybe every three to four hours. It depends on on your lifestyle and what you do. Like I will tell you what I do as an example. So I I wake up in the morning and I I have coffee, which isn't the best thing to do right away, but I have coffee and I always have milk in it. So I never have it black. I usually use uh, sometimes oat milk, but it has to be organic oat milk. So there's no glyphosate in it. And, or I will do macadamia milk because it's high in healthy fat. I don't do almond because I just don't react well to almonds as much as I used to. I think it's from like overconsumption of them. Anyway, so I I kind of avoid almond milk. And then I will have my first snack. I don't even want to call it breakfast. I'll have my first snack around 9.30 a.m. If that coffee and milk is like 6 a.m., then my first snack's around 9.30. Then I have a big lunch at noon or like 11.30. And then, which is usually leftovers from the night before. Sometimes I'll make eggs. Sometimes I'll make a bowl or a salad, something like that. And then I'll have another snack around four. And then I'll have dinner around 7.30. So that's kind of how I do it. There's so many people who 
think that regular eating every two to three hours or every three to four hours is terrible for your metabolism. And I just do what feels good for me. If I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm not hungry, I don't eat. If it's, you know, I don't have my morning snack, let's say, and it's lunchtime, that's fine. Like I'm not neurotic about it because I just want it to be intuitive. And I would suggest you do the same. So intuitively kind of figure out your own meal schedule and what works for you. Manage stress. So obviously I talked so much about stress today, but high stress levels can disrupt hormonal balance and interfere with fertility. Practice stress management techniques like meditation, deep breathing exercises, gentle exercise, and engaging in activities you enjoy. Consider seeking support from a therapist or counselor if needed. This is important. I already talked about this, so let's just keep going. And then maintain a healthy weight. Both overweight and underweight conditions can affect fertility. Aim for a healthy body weight by maintaining a balanced diet and engaging in regular physical activity. So it's not that you can't get pregnant if you are overweight or underweight. It's just that it's not ideal and it's not optimal and it might take longer or there might be more complications. Could be complications as in you struggle to get pregnant. Could be complications like you struggle to maintain a pregnancy or there's birth defects or there's birth issues as well. Like it's a complicated birth. So there's a lot that can kind of happen there and being at a good weight can kind of reduce that. And that's what the data shows. It's in the research. Understanding your menstrual cycle. I kind of briefly talked about this. Learn to track your menstrual cycle and identify your fertile days. This can help you time intercourse effectively to increase your chances of conception Charting your basal body temperature, observing cervical mucus changes, or using ovulation predictor kits can assist in pinpointing ovulation. I talk about this in my guide. I chart, I actually don't chart. I take my body temperature every single morning. I use the app Natural Cycles, and I've been doing this for four years, maybe, maybe even longer, maybe five years now. But this is how I chart my basal body temperature. And if this is kind of like the first time you're hearing about this, essentially this works because the first half of your cycle from day one, when you get your period up until the day before you ovulate. So typically about 14 days, your temperature, your body temperature is actually a bit lower. And then when you ovulate, your body temperature rises and it stays risen for the next 14 days for the second half of your cycle. So that's why when you take your temperature every morning and you suddenly see a spike that is maintained, that means that you have ovulated most of the time. Most of the time, that means you've ovulated and then you'll get your period. And that's how you can predict when your period's coming or predict when you're ovulating and all of that type of thing. And then consider preconception supplements. I already talked about this. And yeah, that's what I would recommend for you. Eliminate guesswork from your wellness plan with Inside Tracker. Created by experts from Harvard and MIT, Inside Tracker uses the power of your body's biomarker data to reveal what you need to live longer. You'll receive specific nutrition, exercise, supplement, and lifestyle recommendations 
providing insight that goes well beyond what you can get from generic blood work. And since May is Women's Health Month, Inside Tracker is unveiling an upgraded ultimate plan that includes three new hormone markers that are critical to measure during a woman's reproductive and menopausal years. And because it is Women's Health Month, Inside Tracker is not charging for these three new hormone markers. Only for May, though. For a limited time, biohacking with Brittany listeners can get 20% off Inside Tracker's new ultimate plan, which includes the estradiol, progesterone, and TSH biomarkers, which are the new ones that have been added. With Inside Tracker, discovering what your body needs is no longer a guessing game. Visit insidetracker.com slash biohackingbrittany to get 20% off. That's insidetracker.com slash biohackingbrittany to get 20% off today. Next, we're getting more into biohacking here. I mean, this is all kind of biohacking, but biohacking, how can I naturally support my fertility and regulate my menstrual cycle through biohacking? Great question. So this is kind of kind of steer away from nutrition a little bit here because I wanted to give more, this is a bit of nutrition, but I wanted to like kind of really talk about, I don't want to say hardcore biohacking because that sounds ridiculous, but a little more like biohacking methods and techniques. So tracking and optimizing your sleep can really help with fertility and menstrual cycle regulation. Quality sleep is essential for hormonal balance and fertility. Use sleep tracking devices to monitor sleep patterns and optimize your sleep environment. Ensure you are getting sufficient restful sleep every single night. We already talked about sleep today, so go back and listen to that if you need to. Managing light exposure. Light exposure, particularly in the evening, can impact circadian rhythm and hormone production. Minimize exposure to blue light from electronic devices close to bedtime and consider using blue light blocking glasses. Seek natural light exposure during the day to support circadian rhythm regulation. I already talked about this. Get the blue light blocking glasses. I use filter optics and make sure you get some morning light. Even if it's raining, it's better than staying inside. Stress reduction techniques. I talked about this, but this will obviously help with fertility in your menstrual cycle. And then I want to talk about environmental toxin reduction. So minimize exposure to environmental toxins that can interfere with hormonal balance. Choose organic produce, reduce exposure to plastics and chemical-laden personal care products, and consider using a water filter. This is huge. This is huge. So right now, I actually should recommend this. Right now, I'm reading this book by this naturopath. It's called Preconception Cleanse. It's very good. I will add it to my Amazon storefront for you, but I really recommend it. And it significantly talks about the amount of toxins we are exposed to everywhere, everywhere. So organic, we kind of already talked about like the glyphosate and all the chemicals and the GMOs and stuff like that, but reducing your exposure to plastics. I just did this. So I noticed that we were drinking water out of plastic water bottles every day, like reusable ones. Like we would go to the gym, we would take shaker cups and they are made out of plastic or 
whatever I was doing with adding water to it. Like I have a big glass one, which is half a gallon, but I don't drink out of that all the time, you know, because it's so large. So I took all of our plastic water bottles and shaker cups, and I took all of the plastic tumblers we have as well. So we had some of the plastic Starbucks ones, the typical ones that you are picturing, all of that. Anything with plastic, I got rid of it and I donated it to a local thrift store close by. And so now we only have metal, glass, and ceramic. In terms of what is the best, glass is the best, and then ceramic, and then metal. However, glass water bottles are tough. Like I said, I have the large half a gallon one. I'm forgetting the name of it. Oh, I think it's called Hydro Jug. Anyway, so I have the glass one. And then for the tumblers, they're all metal, obviously. like you, It's tough to put hot liquid in a glass although you can get ceramic ones. And then I bought metal steel shaker cups from Amazon. So I'm using mine right now. It's by the company called Blender Bottle. I don't have a discount. I'm not affiliated with them or anything, but they have metal ones and they are fantastic. So I would recommend getting rid of those shaker cups, getting a good quality metal one and or glass, whatever you can find and calling it a day. The next thing that I'm going to be doing in terms of detoxing my home is I'm going to be getting new pots and pans. So I'm getting rid of all of ours, except for our one iron one. And I'm going to buy ones that are either ceramic or uh, steel. I have to look more into it, but I will tell you which brand I end up buying because it's really helpful when people kind of tell you what they got and if it's good or not. I always love a a recommendation from somebody. And then chemical-laden personal care products. This is so hard. My suggestion with this is to start slow. You might be listening to this and be like, holy moly, I have to buy so many new things. How can I afford this? This feels like waste. This feels like it's bad for the environment to throw out all of these products. And I get it. So my suggestion And this has always been my approach is finish the products that you have. And then when it's time to buy a new one, choose something that's better. And this is applicable for every single product in your house. So hand soap, hand cream, dish soap, all-purpose spray, cleaner, whatever you use to clean your floors, whatever you use to clean your windows, anything you put in your bath, any shampoo, conditioner, detangler, what, I don't even know, shaving cream, the shaver that you use, soap everywhere, the shampoo that you use on your dog, all of it. Slowly but surely, you want to get to a point where you're using products that are much, much cleaner. Now, what products do you get? This is the hardest part. You really have to do your research. I personally really trust the EWG, which is the Environmental Working Group. And I will check a lot of the products that I get on their website or on their app and make sure that they're clean. There are a couple of other apps you can get. I'm forgetting what they're called, but they essentially like check for these ingredients as well and make sure that they don't have anything that's harmful in there. I would do this and same with your makeup, same with everything, but just slowly start to swap over and do your research and You don't have to do like a massive overhaul. (laughs) 
in one swoop. But I do think if you are trying to conceive, then maybe you want to do it a little faster. Maybe you donate it. I don't know if you're comfortable donating that type of stuff to somebody else. That's your preference. Or you just throw it out. I don't know. Your decision. But I do think it is something that you need to be aware of. And also for men. So the shaving creams that they use, any type of fragrance, get that out of there. Out of there. Cologne. No, absolutely not. Unless it's like clean clone that you have checked. Actually, Whole Foods has a couple of good ones that, you know, use essential oils and don't have fragrance in them. So you really have to be mindful of these chemicals because they are, they interrupt your hormones. They interrupt the balance of your hormones. And then how are you supposed to conceive easily and and in a healthy way if all of this is kind of going on. And I would, on like this note, I would recommend getting the book Preconception Cleanse because it's really great. And then consider a water filter. I have a jug water filter that I use. I also have shower filters. I actually need to replace mine now. It's time to do that. And I think this is important because your water in your city or town can have so many different contaminants in it and they filter it with, you know, chlorine or fluoride or whatever it is. And I don't trust that they get out everything. And I don't think you should either. And I I know most people don't. So I would suggest filtering all of your water. I actually want to buy these filters for taps, like the tap in your bathroom, in the sink. I just haven't bought them yet. Because that's what I wash my face with twice a day. So that's a lot of water. I don't drink that water, but it's still like on my skin. And then it's absorbed through your skin, which is just not great whatsoever. So this is what I would suggest. And that's kind of like the biohacking recommendations. There's so much more to say about this. This is just like the icing on the cake and kind of to like get you started I will say I do want to create a preconception, biohacking preconception program with content that's dripped to you every single week. We'll see what that looks like. I am working on it. I'm really excited about it. So stay tuned for that. All right. So last but not least, we have one more question. Oh, I think I lost it. Let me see where it did it go. The question that I get asked all of the time and that I rank on top of Google for because nobody talks about it. During pregnancy, what biohacking techniques or lifestyle modifications can help me maintain optimal health for myself and my baby? I think this is the number one question that I get. I don't know why. Well, no, I guess I just talk about this stuff all the time. I'm not even pregnant, but you know, it's just funny how that just kind of happened. I think people, like, I think people Google pregnancy biohacks and I come up multiple times and then like women DM me like further questions about it. That's like my assumption of how this all happens. So pregnancy biohacks, lifestyle modifications. Yes, there are things that you can do. Let's talk about it. So during pregnancy, it's important to prioritize the health and well-being of both the mother and the developing baby. Some biohacking techniques need to be adjusted and avoided during this time, but there are still lifestyle modifications that you can do to support a healthy pregnancy. Here are some considerations. Balanced nutrition. I, you know, we have to talk about nutrition just briefly because I do think 
it's a pillar here. So focus on consuming a nutrient-dense diet that provides essential vitamins, minerals, and macronutrients. Include a variety of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins, and healthy fats. You can work with somebody on this. And there are books out there that are designed for this, for optimal nutrition during pregnancy. Regular prenatal care. This goes without saying Schedule regular prenatal checkups with your healthcare provider. I don't necessarily have recommendations yet on who that should be. I think a midwife is great. I think a doula is great. A doctor as well. It's whatever you have access to and you think you need. Physical activity. Engage in regular physical activity following the guidance of your healthcare provider. Low-impact exercises like walking, swimming, prenatal yoga, or modified strength training can help maintain fitness, improve circulation, and reduce discomfort. Always prioritize safety and avoid activities with a high risk of of injury. So recommendations here. I would say if you're pregnant that I would get an app like the sweat app and I would do one, they have two, I would do one of their prenatal programs. So they have a prenatal program and a postpartum program. I would do one of those. And that is like what my plan is in the future because it is designed for safety with your safety in mind. So week by week, It will modify what you can do based on how pregnant you are. And I think that's really, really important. And I know for me, when I will be in this stage at one point, I want something that takes the guesswork out and I can trust that they have done the research and they are certified and they can say like, these trainers can say, yes, like at 20 weeks, you can do a lunge. I don't know, whatever it is. So I, I would trust this program, which is what I would do. The other thing I think is great, obviously walking goes without saying prenatal yoga, I think is really, really good for flexibility. I will say swimming, I think is awesome. So the caveat here is that if the only swimming access you have is in a chlorine pool, I would be careful. I think that The best case scenario would be in a lake, in an ocean, in a river, something outdoors, something natural, or in a salt water pool would be my preference. So I would probably do something along the lines of that. I think swimming is great because it takes the pressure off of your joints and your muscles, and it's a full body exercise, and it's good for flexibility and joints, and there's just so many benefits from it. If you are going to do swimming weekly, biweekly in a chlorinated pool, I would look at, I think I actually posted about it. Yeah, I did. There's like a spray that you can spray on yourself before and after that neutralizes the chlorine on your skin. So I forget what I put in it. Wow. I'm like blanking here, but it's on my, it's on my Instagram. You just have to scroll back or DM me and I'll find the post. I'll send it to you. But essentially there's like a spray And when I was going in hot tubs and stuff, you know, I think it was last year, I would spray myself before I went in and after and just kind of like reduce that impact. But yeah, I need to look at those ingredients and actually make sure that they're pregnancy safe. I think that a salt water pool is probably your best bet though, if you can. And then it's safe. 
I mean, like the ocean is safe too. It depends where you are. It depends on the waves and that type of thing. But yeah, stress management. So pregnancy can be a time of emotional and physical change. Explore stress management techniques such as meditation, deep breathing, gentle exercise, and activities to help you relax. Seek emotional support from loved ones or consider joining prenatal support groups. I have talked a lot about this today. I think prenatal support groups is a great idea. Like, I think that's so great, especially for first time moms. I I would search like your city and prenatal support group. And I would almost guarantee that there is some sort of recreational center or complex that has this for you there. Or when you do things like prenatal yoga, like connecting with women there would be great as well. But you really just like want people around you. Like even if you are like a single mom and you are going through this by yourself, like that's even more important for you to have friends and family and your local community really support you because you need it. You definitely, definitely need it during this time. Sleep and rest. Again, and we already talked about sleep. But there are, just on a note with the pregnancy, like there are supportive pillows you can get that can enhance comfort. And then also practice good sleep hygiene as well. We also talked about that. Education and preparation. So take some time to educate yourself about pregnancy, childbirth, and newborn care. Attend childbirth classes, read books, and consult reliable sources to empower yourself with knowledge. There's so much information out there. There's so many books. I think what I will do when I'm in at this stage myself is I will probably create a blog post of all of the resources that I have found that have been helpful. And I think you should kind of maybe do the same thing for yourself and just like look at what other people recommend because there's so much out there. And so it can kind of almost be overwhelming. Avoid harmful substances. So steer clear of alcohol, tobacco, recreational drugs, and certain medications that are not safe during pregnancy, I would consult with somebody before looking into any of that. Stay hydrated. Drink plenty of water throughout the day to maintain proper hydration. This is really important. Ideally, a gallon a day, which is about 3.7 liters. I really, really suggest a lot of hydration. I know that the more pregnant you get, like the more pressure on the belly, the more you have to go to the bathroom. So drinking that much water, you'd have to go even more. I get that. I mean, depends where you are. If you work from home, I think it'd be really great to just make sure you're getting enough hydration. Environmental considerations we kind of talked about. So just being like careful with this type of thing. So avoiding excess or any exposure to harmful chemicals, pollutants and potential toxins. Yeah, just really, really being careful about construction zones. And if you're doing any renovations, like when you're pregnant, not the time to do renovations. And if you are doing them while you're pregnant, proper ventilation in the house. So open the windows, open the doors. Like even if it's cold, you really, really do need that fresh air to remove those toxins and balance that out. Or just wait, do it in the summer or even better, do it outside of pregnancy, outside of having a newborn in a couple years. Embrace self-care. So prioritize self-care activities that can help you relax and reduce stress. This can include gentle massages, warm baths, listening to soothing music, practicing mindfulness, or engaging in hobbies you enjoy. I love this. I think that pregnancy 
prenatal massages are really, really awesome for this. And there's so many people who offer them now, actually. Like I see it in basically every spa that I go to at this point is like a prenatal massage. So that I think would be fantastic. And the warm baths as well. Just be careful. It's not too hot. And then listening to soothing music, practicing mindfulness. There's so many things as well. You know, putting music on the belly or talking to your baby, all of these different things. Binaural beats would be great as well. So, but just remember like every pregnancy is unique and it's important to consult with people around you to support you. So this was a ton of information in this episode Thank you for all of the women who reached out with these questions. I hope that I was able to give you data and information and valuable examples of what you can do in these different scenarios. If you have questions, reach out. There's no issue. I will answer you and I will help you as I can. And a reminder, you can get my guide on my website. It's the ebb and flow cycle guide. It's got everything you need in there. And if you want my hormone balancing chocolate recipe, you should also download that free on my website and it will be emailed to you. And when you actually become a part of my newsletter, which is what I really recommend, you'll find out the soonest about my, you know, different programs that I'm developing and consultations and stuff like that. So enjoy, and I will catch you later for another episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.